The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Now there was a little girl, a little girl that wasn't too excited about saying her prayers, and her mother was trying to get her to say her prayers at night. But nothing mother did seems to work. The girl just wasn't into saying prayers. So the mother was frustrated with her lack of gratitude and said, hey, darling, you know, there's people in the world that, there's children in the world that don't have nice homes, they don't have any food, don't have clothes, who don't have two parents that love them. Think of all that. And the little girl looked at her mom and said, mom, I did think of all those people. And it seems to me they're the ones who need to be saying their prayers. It's just hard to get folks who are not grateful to say thank you. And think about it just for the simplest things in our lives. When was the last time you thanked God for air? Have you thought about that? When was the last time we thanked God for just water? We're so used to these things. You know, and as I reflect on Thanksgiving table the last several years, uh, warning, I can't cook, but everybody in my family is wonderful cooks. And as I look at the Thanksgiving table now, we always go to my sister's, and there's so much food there. Like, there's so much. There's ham, there's turkey. I'm like, who are we feeding? Like, you can feed a small army or something. But there's so much food, I can't even try it all in one sitting. But as I reflect back on 30 years when we came to America, what we had on our Thanksgiving table, my parents only offered us two options at that time, and it was eat it or leave it. How blessed are we? And folks, today we're going to have a Thanksgiving message. We're just going to rejoice in our Lord, rejoice in each other. But this year, I usually preach from Ephesians 5.20 on Thanksgiving, but this Thanksgiving and direct me to Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7. And we're going to be talking about six sweet peas of Thanksgiving. Now, I'm not talking about sweet potato pies or anything like that or anything else that's delicious that starts with the letter P, but Moses is going to be thanking the Lord here And I just want them all to start with the letter P so it'll be easy to remember. So think of a pea pod, right? And all these sweet peas are in there. And Deuteronomy 2.7 is going to be the pod that holds all these things together. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7. And it says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand, and he knows you're drugging through the wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you, You have lacked nothing. Now, every time I try to preach from the New Testament, I mean the Old Testament, somebody says, well, that's the Old Testament. Folks, uh, Moses is talking to Israel here, but it does apply to us. Uh, We preach the entire Bible here in Grace Fellowship, and the Bible tells us clearly without beating around the bush in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, now that all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So we're not misusing the scripture uh, when we're talking about God's ancient people and so forth. And Moses here is having a time of reflection, time of thanksgiving. And I want to mention some things that we ought to thank the Lord for 
this Thanksgiving. Number one is his providence. If you look at verse 7 again, it says, All the works of your hand. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. So underscore that word all. God blessed them when they did good. God blessed them when they failed. God blessed them when they obeyed. God blessed them when they disobeyed. It says he blessed them in all that they did. So you say, well, how did he bless them when they disobeyed? He whipped them. Chastisement. If you look at Hebrews 12, 11, it says, Now chastening seems to be joyful for the present time, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And I'll tell you, friend, when you come into a relationship with God, when you come to a relationship with God, sometimes we look at some things in our life and say, well, that, you know, that was a blessing, this was not a blessing. But when you come into a relationship with God, when you come out of Egypt, you go through that Red Sea, everything that has happened to you is for your good. Now, it doesn't mean that Christians won't have problems. And if you read the history of Israel, Moses outlines in this scripture, they had lots of problems. But the Lord has blessed them in all the work of the hands. And folks, I have problems, you have problems, but it's not the problems I had compared to before I got saved. I'm a much more happier now when I'm sad being a Christian than I was happy being happy before I was not Christian. And folks, there's a difference. You see, Christian has problems, but Christian has also somebody that can bear those problems for us. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Secondly, the Christian problems are really not problems because in Romans 8, 28, it says, For all things work together for good to them that love God. I know it's easier said than done, right? But they do. Secondly, uh, these folks, let me illustrate this, how sometimes I want to illustrate Romans 8, 28. And I hate to share this with you, but, um, <laughs> but I notice as I get older, I get hungrier. I like to snack on things, especially working from home, you know? That's why I started running. But I get hungrier, and I go in the page pantry, and I see bacon flour. I see salt. I see sugar. I see almond bacon flour. I have no idea what's almond bacon flour. Now, those are the things I don't want to really snack on individually, right? I don't like those things. So I'm standing in the pantry. I said a little prayer. I said, Lord, I don't like flour. I don't like salt. I don't like sugar. But I sure love biscuits. But there's no biscuits in the, in the pantry. But when my wife gets home, she mixes those things together, puts it in the oven. Biscuits come out. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that something? When she mixes those things together, touch of an artist. Biscuits come out. Now, in themselves, things are not necessarily good, but work together for good. And you see, God does the same thing in our lives. He mixes the events of our life in a pot of his care. He puts them sometimes in the oven of affliction, but when they come out, 
When they come out, God has prepared something that will strengthen our souls. So we know all things work together for good to those who love God. And thirdly, we need to understand that our problems in this world are only temporary. They're temporary. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which should be revealed in us. So we need to thank God for his providence. How good has God been to us? You know, sometimes we get mixed up in everything that's going on, watching the news and all that stuff, but how good has God has been specifically to you, to your family? So the second thing I want to think is what pops out to me in this text is his perception. So we thank him for his providence. He says he knows you're drugging through this great wilderness in Deuteronomy 2.7. You see, Lord perceived everything that happened to his ancient people. You guys heard of the old song that says, Lord knows the way through the wilderness, all I have to do is follow? I don't know if you guys remember that old song. But he knows the way. He knows all about us. He knows a uprising or downsitting. He sees it all. He knows all there is to know about us. And friends, that's a comfort to me. Do you guys know that? That's a comfort to me. And you see, because the Lord knows the worst about me. Psalm 69.5 says, Oh God, you know my foolishness and my sins are not hidden from you. He knows. He knows everything. That's a comfort. Now, you can fool your pastor. You can fool your wife, though I, I doubt that. But uh, somebody said, reputation is what others think about you. Your character is what your wife and God know about you. But whatever she knows or not, he knows the worst about you. And the grand glorious thing about that is he still loves you. He still loves you. And, folks, God doesn't love us because we're valuable, We're valuable because he loves us. And I was thinking about this. He he demonstrated his love towards us when we were enemies, sinners, by giving us his son. Christ died for us. And what kind of, let me tell you what kind of real true friend is. A true friend is somebody who knows the worst things about you, may not agree with you, but they still love you. In Proverbs 18.24, says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, right? But then it says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's the kind of friend we have in Jesus. So that's why I don't get too upset when people say bad stuff about me. I'm just happy they don't know anything else. God knows all about us. But not God only knows the worst about me. God also knows the best about me. So there's two things that you guys don't know about me. You guys don't really know the worst about me, and you don't really know the best about me. You know, there's some wonderful things about me that you don't know anything about. I'm so wonderful in some areas, you don't know anything about it. I felt the eye roll coming from that direction right now. You know, after being married 19 or 20 years, you don't have to see it, you can feel it. In Psalm 37, 18, he says, The Lord knows the days of the upright, and inheritance shall be forever. You see, this, this, the Spirit of God knows things that are in my spirit, and that's a comfort. He knows the worst. There's nothing to discover. He still loves me. 
He knows the best about me. There's some things I can't say or express to him how my appreciation, my love for him. But God knows the very best about us when sometimes others don't know. Let me try to illustrate this with the football. I'm not really good at football illustrations. That's what you haven't heard a lot of from, from this pulpit. But where I come from, football is what you guys call soccer. You know, football, not handball. And I don't know. I remember the first time I came to USA, somebody said, want to watch football? And we started like, well, go ahead, let's go watch football. We get there, they're wearing pads, helmets. The ball is oval. And I'm thinking, what kind of sorcery is this? Where's football? But you have this guy who runs with the ball. I think the back, back liner or something like that. I don't, I don't know again. He runs through the line, and everybody cheers for him. He gets the ball, right? But there's linemen that have to open up that hole for him to run through. And sometimes you watch, watch that football, and they open up a line so big, uh, my grandma in a wheelchair can just go through, right? So these linemen have a job to do. They got their noses down in the ground, but nobody cheers for them. Who cheers for, what do we cheer for? The guy that's running with the ball, right? Everybody's cheering for him. But when that lineman gets back to the bench, the coach knows what he did. The coach knows what he did, and that's what keeps them going. So, folks, there might be somebody getting more praise than you or things like that. But the great coach knows. He knows. And that's a comfort to me. He also knows about our weaknesses and our strengths. In Psalm 103, 14, he says, For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. The Lord knows how weak you are, how weak I am. He knows how strong you are, how strong I am. He knows your frame. What does that mean? Well, we have, you know, manufacturer builds a truck, say this is a ton truck, this is a half a ton truck, and so forth. It talks about their frame, the load that the truck can carry. And sometimes in our lives we experience, say, oh, we have a, such a burden, I can't carry it. Yes, you can. God knows your frame, and he gave it to you to carry so you lean on him more. So he knows our frame. He knows our needs. In Matthew 6, 8 says, therefore do not be like them, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. He knows everything there is about us. So providence, all things work together for good. Perception we're going through this wilderness. He knows everything. He knows all our sins. He knows our good points, bad points, weaknesses, your needs. Have you thanked God for that? That he's an all-knowing God? He knows what you're going through? And thirdly, I'd like to thank him for his purpose. What's the purpose? If you look at Deuteronomy 2.7 again, it says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're drugging through the wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you, you have lacked nothing. What's God's purpose? God's purpose is we walk through this great wilderness. Now, this world is a wilderness to every Christian. 
And God's plan is we walk through it. I know somehow we will try to escape it, but we walk through it. How do you walk through this wilderness of this world? One step at a time. You know, so many of us want to make some kind of decision and just see that decision just going to carry us through and Christianity is all about easy life and so forth. But God's purpose is we walk through this great wilderness. It's God's training ground. God's not ready to take us to heaven yet, right? God has some plans for us. Uh, he's bringing me through, and he brought Egyptians out, for them out of Egypt. What did he bring them out of Egypt? To bring them in. God brought me out to bring me in. And I'm coming through, you guys are coming through, and God has a purpose. God has a plan for me, for you, and this is a training ground, just simply a proven ground. If you look at uh, Deuteronomy 8, the first verses 2 and 3, it says this, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Notice why. Why did he lead them 40 years in the wilderness? Watch it. To humble you, to test you, and to know what's in your heart, whether you will keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. That's verse 3. Allowed them to hunger. What? God did that? Why did he allow them to hunger? And fed you manna. He let them be hungry so he could feed them. Now, if we never had any trouble, we would never have any need. But he allows us to be in this wilderness. He suffers us to hunger. He has all these things. They're part of his wonderful plan. And allowed us to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. He might make you, that man shall not live by bread alone, but... Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Forty years God led them through this wilderness. Number one, humble and test you. God is leading us through this wilderness. He has a purpose. You know, why doesn't God just take us to heaven the minute we get saved? Ever thought about that? He wants to humble us. He wants to prove us. But you know, when we build a car, my... Uh, Brother-in-law, he works for, it's kind of like the Tesla cars, it's called Rivian, and he was, they're building an electric truck. Now, when somebody says electric truck to me, I kind of laugh, but, but he was certain that he was proven to me that when they build a new truck and car, they don't put it on a smooth surface. When they test it out, they put puddles of water, rocks, they go to Colorado, up the mountains, testing it out, and God doesn't want you to live just a smooth and easy life. He doesn't. Can you sharpen an axe on a pound of butter? No. You sharpen it on grindstone, right? God is trying to strengthen us, to test you, to know what's in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And you know, it's not, there was not an easy way for Jesus either. If you look at the life of Jesus, especially the last days, do you think it was easy? Do you remember when he was in a garden and he was praying? 
what was he praying in Matthew 26, 39? He went a little farther, farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He didn't have an easy way. He didn't have a pass. Nevertheless, I will, but as you will. Not as my will, but as you will. So, folks, when we talk about Jesus and we want to be like Jesus, remember, Jesus had a wilderness too. He spent 40 days. Jesus had this Gethsemane. Jesus had a Judas. It's not God's purpose that you have a smooth way, easy way, or lazy way. But he is leading us through this wilderness to test us, to prove us. Next, I want to thank God for his patience. For 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing in Deuteronomy 2.7. 40 years, God put up with that bunch. How long have you been saved? How long has God been putting up with you? Now, don't think these people were wonderful people. There were unfaithful people, fickle people, disobedient people. But yet, for 40 years, he'd been with them. And Luke recorded this in the book of Acts, and it says this. In Acts 13, 8, now for a time about 40 years, about a time, 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. For 40 years of bad manners, he put up with them. God suffered them. And we just have to say, he puts up with us, doesn't he? Aren't you glad God puts up with you? We're at a men's Bible study, and I was like, if I was God, I would have blocked me out. Blocked me out, just done with him. Do you ever feel that way? No, just me? Have you ever confessed the same sin more than twice, twice, ten times? Raise your hand. A little hand exercise. Have you ever confessed? What about 500 times? All right, it's just training sessions, training sessions. Okay. But aren't you glad that the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I've been saved for 21 years. And for 21 years, he's been putting up with me. 21 years, he's been suffering through this wilderness. And I just have to say thank you for his patience. And I'm glad I'm not God because that would have blotted me out a long time ago. Third time, you're done. <laughs> but the Bible describes our God as a God of patience. In Romans 15, 5, it says, now may the God of what? Patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. So thank God for his patience this Thanksgiving. Number five, thank God for his presence. It says he's been with them for 40 years and in Deuteronomy 2.7 has been with you. He never left them, not once. They've been disobedient many times, but he led them as a pillar of cloud and pillar of fire at night. If you look at Exodus 13, 21, it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud, lead the way, and by night pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. 
And Numbers 14, 14 says the same thing. And they, will, and, and they will tell all the inhabitants of this land, they have heard you, Lord, that you are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face. Your cloud stands above them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day, in a pillar of fire by night. Even though they've been disobedient, fickle people, he never left them. He was there with them. Now, on this side of Calvary, he dwells in us more wonderfully. Do you realize that? In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the original language, it says, I will, if you translate it literally, I will never, ever, ever, ever leave you. Three times. And I know I'm not much of a Greek scholar, but one Greek scholar trying to explain it to one old lady at the church, and she said, well, maybe he needs to say it to you Greek fellas three times, but all he has to tell me is just once. He will never leave us. And the, 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 on this side of Calvary, I don't care what I do, where I go, he's with me. Isn't that great? You know, when you guys go to work, you have a pet or something like that, say, hey, you know, I'll pick you up, I'll see you after work, Fido. But when you go to work, Jesus goes with you. When you go to school, Jesus goes with you. In Isaiah 41, 10, it says, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous hand. The Holy Spirit now indwells in each and every single one of us who calls him Father. He's with us in the glad times. He's with us in the sad times, right? He's with us all the time. He knows, he cares, he feels. So thank you for his presence. And thank you for his provision. If you look at Deuteronomy 2.7, again, the last part of the verse says, you have lacked nothing. They're in the wilderness. They thought they're going to have some needs, right? There's no water. Did they have water? They had plenty of water. There's no bread. Did they have bread? Plenty of bread. There's no this. There's no that. But they didn't need a thing because God provided for every need that they had. And God was never late. He was never ahead of time. Sort of like turkey, turkey sandwich. You, you have leftovers after Thanksgiving? You know, we have the turkey dinner. Then we got the sandwiches. Then you got some breakfast. After that, you continue eating it. God provided all the time. And not only that, if you look at Deuteronomy 8.4, they're walking through this wilderness, okay? And it says, your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Now, what you don't see up here is I'm in pain right now. I'm wearing a knee brace, and I smell like Bengay. Matter of fact, I gave Stella a hug. She said, why do you smell like peppermint? And she said, go trim your nose hairs too. But I started running, and my knee starts to swell up. 
these guys over here walking 40 years, looking like San Francisco hippies, long robes, they got Birkenstocks on, not nice tennis shoes, but their feet didn't even swell. They lacked nothing. God took care of all of that. And Psalm 34.10 says, this is the reason David says, the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Now, what's, what can we get from God? Imagine the check right now. And the check number is going to be Philippians 4.19. Okay? And Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So the check number again is Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your need. This check will never rounds. His promises are yes and amen. If you look at 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. That's the check. Now look at the check amount. If you look at Philippians 4.19, says all your need. All your need. I'm glad it doesn't say all your wants, but it says all your needs. And for two reasons. First place, if I wanted some things I didn't need, one of the worst things that could happen to us is just give us all our wants. And the second place, I needed some things I didn't want, Right? Dad's sitting over there. He says, you need a spanking. Matter of fact, I said it yesterday. I didn't want that, but maybe I needed it. A lot of times, the things that we need, we don't want. But God says, she supply all your need according to the riches. What's the capital behind this check? According to the riches in glory by Christ. Now, let me explain something to you. Sometimes... You're not going to make Christ grow bankrupt, okay? And one of the things that illustrates this in the Bible is when Queen Sheba came to Solomon, and she told him, i never seen so much, and yet half hasn't been told to me when she met Solomon. And if you look at 1 Kings uh, chapter 10, verses 4 through 7, and it says, When the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon in the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, entryway to which went up to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. She was just amazed by all these things. Then she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, half was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I have heard. So she sees this wonderful king full of riches. And people were just describing it, couldn't even describe it when they've seen it. And she's wanted to come and see it with her own eyes. And she says, half was not even told. So he's a pretty rich guy, right? But look what the Bible says concerning Jesus. In Luke eleven thirty one, the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. 
and indeed greater than Solomon is here. Greater than Solomon. The riches of his glory, the riches of the amount of the treasury, folks. We're not going to make God somehow bankrupt. He's not going to withhold all your needs from you. And who signs the check? Well, if you look at Philippians 4.19, it says, His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus signed this check with his own blood. Now you can carry it to heaven's bank and cash it. But when you cash a check, what's one thing you got to do? You got to endorse it. It's made out to you, but you must endorse it. You must say, I am going to put, I will link my name with the name of Jesus Christ, and by faith I will take the provision that God has given me. You see, God loved you enough. Listen to this. If God loved you enough to give Jesus, you've got it made. Look at Romans 8.32. He, God, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Do you get the logic of this verse? If he gave us one gift, this amazing gift, while we were enemies, how much more is he going to give you or provide to you to his children? So the check is, my God shall supply all your needs according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. And the only thing is necessary is for you to cash it, is for you to endorse it by faith. It's made out to you. Again, for the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're drudging through this wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. And folks, if this is true for his ancient people, how much more has he done for us on this side of Calvary? So when we're going to be celebrating, however you're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving, I know it's a weird year, but make sure you have a bowl of sweet peas out there and thank God for those. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your mercy and your kindness towards us. We thank you for the way in which you're consistently demonstrated your goodness towards us, Father. And Lord, fill us with thanksgiving, no matter what else is going on in this world. We have so much to be thankful for, even the difficulties for those we thank you, Father. Lord, we pray that you use the strength of your spirit to break patterns. Maybe we have some critical spirit, rebellion, worldliness, selfishness, or impatience, because all those things hinder attitude of gratitude. And we would begin every day, no matter how challenging it is, by thanking you for being faithful to us and making your mercies new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. By thanking you for all that is ours in Christ, the riches in Christ. By thanking you for eternal life and the hope of heaven. For the guidance you give through this wilderness, the truth, the trials which humble us and shape us. Give us thankful hearts, Father. You are worthy to be praised and you are worthy to be thanked. And as we leave this place today, I pray, Father, that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray.
Amen. Happy Thanksgiving. For those of you who are staying for a membership class, we'll meet here in 10 minutes.